you are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605. All right. So every once in a while, I think it's good to sort of remember kind of what we're choosing to be about in any kind of a place. And so once a year around invitation, we just like to take a Sunday before we jump into whatever we're going to talk about next and just to kind of talk about who we are as a family, as a people. And so it kind of starts off with this question, like, what do you care deeply about? Uh, Another way to say that is, like, what makes you, you? And we have a microphone today. We could pass it around the room and we could just, I could just ask you, like, hey, what do you care deeply about? And we would get all different kinds of answers to that. We would find all different kinds of things that we care really deeply about and that would be different. There would be diversity in that. And it's important for a church community, I think, to answer that question. Like, what makes us us? Like, what do we care deeply about? What are some core convictions that we have as a church? And so it's my joy and gift today to be able to share just a couple of those things. And some of you who have been around invitation for a while, uh, you probably could give this spiel yourself, but you just get to sit in your chair and I'm going to give it this time. So number one, if you put that on the screen, that would be great. We care deeply about people having an encounter with Jesus. So more than attending some kind of thing, we care deeply, very much, about people having an encounter with Jesus. I don't know if anybody went to the fair in this season, but something that you might notice when you go to the fair is a little child who had an encounter with a funnel cake. Anybody see that ever? Right? You, you know there's evidence they have had an, an encounter with a funnel cake. Because why? Because it's all over their face. Or you're still at the fair, And you see people who are coming off a really fun ride. And you know, based on their face, that they have had an encounter with some fear and some joy, right? They've had an encounter with a ride. And I think one of the questions for us to ask as a church is, are we being helpful in providing a place, a context, for people to encounter Jesus? In the same way, it can be obvious that we've had our face in the funnel cake, is what kind of fruit is in our lives that shows the world, that shows people we have had an encounter with Jesus. So we care deeply about that. We work hard to do everything that we can to create a place here where people can encounter Jesus. So number one is encounter. Number two is identity. We care deeply about people having an identity claiming an identity that comes from God, not from what they do, not from what they've been told. It's interesting in the New Testament, a word that the New Testament writers like to use for people in the church, you know what it is? It's this word, hagioi. It means holy ones, set apart ones, like the ones who have been given grace, the ones who have been given kindness, the one who's, ones who have been given love from on high. So identity 
We care deeply about having an identity to claim and so that people who spend time around here know they are a beloved son and daughter of the Most High King Jesus. And there's nothing they can do that's going to enable them to outrun that identity. It's been written not on a name tag, but it's been written on your heart. That's a promise that comes from the book of Ezekiel. Because you might say, well, Dave, where'd you get that? Ezekiel is where I got that. Where the promise of God is that there's going to be, I'm going to replace your heart of stone and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. So that identity has been changed. So we care about encounter. We care about identity. Uh, we, We care about a place. So we care deeply about providing people a place to belong. Not like a place to attend, but a place to belong where they are known. And so I attend, I don't know about you, I attend all kinds of places. I attend the doctor's office when I have to take my kindergartner to go get kindergarten shots, which that's a blessing in a basket, isn't it? So we did all of that. And I'm attending there. I don't belong there. And of course, you run into people and whatever, but it's a, it's a very sterile environment, right? You go up and they want all this information, right? Like your name and your address. And every time I'm like, well, don't you remember my address? Why can't you just remember my address? Because there's a, tons of people that are always in there. Like there's not a depth of relationship, right? And I think we have a lot of places that we attend, but not a lot of places where we truly belong. And so at Invitation, we care deeply about people knowing that you belong here. So even if you're wrestling with who Jesus is, you're wrestling with questions and doubt, there is place here for you to belong. So the way that we would say it is that you belong even before you believe. Because we would, we sort of see that in the scriptures, Right? Jesus says, like, hey, guys, come and follow me. You know what I've always found interesting? Jesus never asks the disciples if they believe in him before he asks him to follow him. You ever notice that? What happens? As they walk, as they follow him, what happens? They fall in love with Jesus. And so we get to be that kind of place, too. So that's not something I found on the Internet, something that I made up, some kind of crazy Dave thing. No, that's in the scriptures. We're just following the pattern of Jesus. So we care about encounter, we care about identity, we care about place, but we also care about call. We care deeply about people having a call to live out. One of the last things Jesus ever says, this is after the crucifixion, and after he is resurrected, this is the way that the book of Matthew ends. And Jesus just looks at his disciples and he just says, go and share what you have been given. If you've received grace, go give grace. If you've received love, go give love. If you've received truth, go share truth. If you have received me, go and share me with the world. Because remember in the upper room when I'm breaking the bread and I'm pouring out the wine, that is a, a picture of me giving myself to the world. Go and do that. And so we take that seriously around here. We want to be those kinds of people. If we're working in construction, we want to be those kinds of people. If we're working in a classroom, we want to be those kinds of people. If we spend all of our day in our home with our kiddos, we want to be that kind of person. We have a call to live out. We've been called to build, to advance the message of the kingdom. Even on the internet, we've been called to do that. 
And we've been called to do it here in our homes and outside of our homes. So we care about encounter, care about identity, care about a place, and we care about call. And so one of the ways for us to live that out is through different environments. You want to put that up on the screen? So three environments we care about an invitation that we give priority to. So environment number one that's important to us is what we're in now, the row. So this is one environment, one expression of this church. This is when God speaks to us in worship gatherings. So there's a, a song that's sung, there's a scripture read, there's something happens in the gathering and we're impacted by that. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, this uh, Lutheran theologian during the World War II era, once wrote, the physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. And so it's like good to be around each other. Like it's good to be known, to be seen physically with other people. That gives us joy, that gives us strength. And one of the things that I think is powerful is that when you gather on a Sunday that sometimes even if we're singing and you just don't have it that day, ever been in one of those places? But then there's somebody to the right or the left of you or they're behind you and they're just like giving it all they have. There's a joy and a strength that comes from that place. So even when you don't feel like you can sing, we get to sing for each other. And even when we don't think we have any hope left, we get to hope with and for one another. And so environment number one is the environment of the row. Uh, Environment number two is the environment of the circle. And that's community groups. Uh, These are the groups that take place outside of our worship gathering in homes, around a meal, and having conversation. And there's a quote. I'm going to put that up. Uh, This is a New Testament scholar that I like, Wesley Hill. He writes this, God never meant us to be purely spiritual creatures. That is why he, makes us, makes, use, he uses material things like conversations, shared meals and trips, hugs, small kindnesses, and gifts between friends to enrich the new life he's given us. We may think this rather crude and unspiritual. God does not. He invented human relationships. He likes friendship. He invented it. So if there's something that you invent, you probably like it. It's part of the plan. So environment of the row, environment of the circle, then the environment of the chair. The environment of the chair is when you are alone with God. The chair might be driving down the road on the way to work and having an openness of heart and of spirit where God would say something to you. Maybe you have like a chair in your house. Some of us have this place that we would like to go when we need to be alone with God. Special chair. I have a, there was a green chair in our basement for a long time that had cat scratches all over it. It was really, really beat up, but that was the chair that I sat in. I wrote a lot of papers in that chair, and there came a point where we needed to be done with that chair because <laughs> there's someone in the front row who's nodding her head in agreement with me, and so <laughs> what a blessing. So that's what happened. So those three environments. And as a church, we want to be helpful to you in all of those environments. And so today we want to talk just a little bit about community groups and kind of where in Scripture this sort of comes from. And so in in John chapter 1, verse 14, I want to, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. It's not on the screen today. But this is really a, a centerpiece of the, 
ministry of, of Jesus. So at the very beginning... So John chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And so the word becomes flesh. Jesus takes on human form. So the word doesn't become some kind of thing you attend. The word doesn't become some kind of system for you to believe. The word becomes flesh. So Jesus actually looks at people in the eye and says, walk. He looks at people in the eye and touches them and says, be healed. He actually sits at the table with people across the table and shares meals with them. We see all of this evidence in the New Testament. And so one of the things that community groups do, and you'll put that next slide up, that would be great, is that community groups help us to be an incarnational church. Help us to not just be this place that you can attend, but this place where you can belong. We want to put flesh on what we believe. And then the second scripture that I think informs this for us is found in the book of Luke. And this is after Jesus, this is Luke 24. Now, after Jesus has been resurrected, there's these two disciples. They're walking on this road to this place called Emmaus. And Jesus shows up in that place. So this is Luke 24, uh, beginning in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called, called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Verse 17, what are you discussing together as you walk along? What an amazing moment. Jesus has been killed, he's been resurrected, and then he shows up to these two disciples who are walking on this road to Emmaus from Jerusalem. He's like, hey, what are you guys talking about? Anybody have that person in your life? You're having a conversation, and they're like, hey, what are you talking about? Right? Anybody? I guess I'm the only one who has that person in their life, right? This is what Jesus does. Hey, what are you guys talking about? So here's what another thing community groups do. This next, next slide. Community groups are a way for us to talk as we walk. Like, hey, what are we discussing? What's happening? What's unfolding in our life and heart and story? It's not really possible in the same way in the environment of the row. We really need the environment of the circle to ask those kinds of questions. Like, hey, what are you wrestling through? What are you questioning? Where are you at? How's it going? What's happening in your life? And the environment of the circle enables us to do that. And going back several years when I was doing youth ministry, uh, I got to meet this eighth grader named Matt, and I was able to do his wedding um, a, f a few years ago. I think we have a picture. Put that picture up. That'd be great. Awesome. So when I take pictures with Matt, apparently I have one face I do. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't know that you were going to dip her and kiss her at the end. You never told me that. So... Um, <laughs> it's so good. You can take it down because it's just going to be distracting. <laughs> Thank you. 
Um, and Matt's somebody that means a lot to me. Uh, having known him since he was in eighth grade and kind of where he was at and what was going on in his life um, as an eighth grader and then to be able to walk with him all the way uh, up to now has just been um, a really great gift. And um, this last year and a half, two years, I was able to be in a community group um, with Matt, uh, which was just like a really amazing thing, mostly because I didn't lead the group. I just got to be a part of a group um, with him. And it's just like a beautiful picture uh, of the kingdom. Um, that actually the people who were leading it are other people that I've had an opportunity uh, to invest in. And just to watch that like kingdom fruit. I just walked away every week just being like, this is so cool and neat. And so I'm actually going to invite Matt up and he's going to share a little bit uh, with us uh, this morning just about his journey and story. So if we could give him a rowdy welcome, that would be great. Awesome. I'm going to sit in this one. You can sit in, in that one. Um, so if you just want to kind of in, introduce yourself, kind of let everybody know kind of what your day-to-day uh, stuff is and uh, married to Cassandra and all that stuff. So yeah. you want to, yeah, introduce. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so my wife, Cassandra, she's not here. Um, she's super bummed to miss. She has something in Minneapolis that she couldn't, uh, uh, you know, avoid. Um, but yeah, no, so Cassandra, I don't think she's up there, but. Um, oh, yeah, now she is. Now she is. There we are. That's our family. That's our little pup, Moose. He's, uh, oh, he's about three times that size now. That was a few, that's a few <laughs> months old. But um, no, so we're, we're high school sweethearts. Uh, grew up here in Sioux Falls. And uh, um, yeah, we've been married almost three years now. Uh, been together for almost 10, which is fun. Um, but yeah, so we went to school in the cities. And we're back here in Sioux Falls to settle down. Um, and yeah, so Cassandra's a nurse at Avera, and I do sales and marketing for a company that makes beekeeping products, which is super fun. Um, so that's, that's I it. love it. Super unique. Okay, talk to us a little bit about 2020 mm-hmm. for your family, understanding you can give us the long version. We have lots of time. So yeah, talk to us about some of what you and Cassandra, this is kind of pre-moose, mm-hmm. so kind of what you and Cassandra walked through. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, like, uh, like it was for a lot of people, 2020 was a bit of an awakening for us. Um, so back in March, uh, noticed a few spots on my tongue that, you know, they weren't going away. So, um, I had to Dr. Google and Dr. <laughs> Google tells me, you know, uh, it's cancer. Like it tells everything else. Uh, so I'm like, okay, it scares me enough. I should go in. And, uh, you know, long story short, it ended up being cancerous. Uh, we initially thought, okay, it could be in situ, which basically just means it's, you know, sitting on the surface of the uh, tissue and, uh, you know, it didn't spread or anything. Um, so that's, that's what we knew going into our surgery. And I'll get into it in a little bit about our uh, community group um, and how that impacted us going into that surgery. But... Um, so we found out after that surgery that it had invaded, it was deeper than we thought. Um, and so that began our process for a, a few weeks of just trying to find answers. Um, obviously it's the scariest time that Cassandra and I have been through. Um, and, uh, you know, it was it really, some things happened, long story short, um, you know, 
praise the Lord, it didn't spread, which is great. We thought for a while, you know, some nodes, lymph nodes uh, lit up on my PET scan report that, uh, you know, worried us. So we had to go through all that whole thing. Um, but anybody who's been around cancer, has dealt with it, even with a, a good prognosis, that doesn't mean that your journey's over. Uh, you then begins the worry of, you know, recurrence and things like that. And what's, what's difficult about, you know, the, the tongue is that you can look at it. And so you're constantly, you know, whereas it's something else, you know, uh, you kind of just have to go, you know, wait for the CT scan or something. But with this, I could constantly check it. And it just became this giant worry, um, you know, for us to, to, to battle. A lot of anxiety there. Uh, but... You know, so a few months later, we see a little, you know, white patch come back that worries us. Uh, turns out it's like a precancerous thing, so we get that uh, taken care of. We got that removed, but, um, you know, still you're thinking, okay, well, things are going to come back, and I'm going to be dealing with this, you know, until God calls me home or something. Um, turns out it wasn't really that, praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> we weren't too worried about that, um, but... You know, it's just, it, the journey's not over, and there's always little things that pop up that God kind of uses to, uh, you know, check our hearts, really. Um, and I don't know, I, I just, I, uh, this whole, the, you know, the year of 2020 and into this year, um, God has used it to really teach me the purpose of pain. Um, and it's it's been amazing. Um the impact. C.S. Lewis has a great quote. Um, you know, he says, God whispers, or he whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts in our pains. Uh, it's his megaphone. And I've learned in 2020, especially through this whole thing, that I'm, I'm really grateful for the pain, you know? And, and I don't mean that as a cliche, because uh, a lot of people will say that, and it's like, don't get me wrong, I'm not, I don't, you know, I'm not wishing for bad reports or anything, but I have learned to be grateful for them and to see how um, God speaks to me through that. It's been profound on my theology. You know, I just, um, I've really come to embrace pain and how positive it can be. Everybody here knows, you know, we've all had suffering to different extents and it's all the same. I mean, even, you know, my, I've had a great prognosis with this cancer deal a lot of people don't get that prognosis. Um, but it almost, it's, it's, I don't even like to, it's, pain isn't something to compare, you know? It's not, um, oh, well, this guy had it worse off. It's, I mean, we all take it, um, you know, as our own. It's like there's always going to be something to worry about, always something that's, um, you know, demanding our attention or something that we're suffering through or what's the quote about, you know, you're either, you know, just out of pain, you're about to head into it, or you're in it right now. I mean, that's, that's life, right? To, to live is to suffer. Um, so that, that was our 2020, um, you know, long, yeah. long story there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so um, talk a little bit about, I mean, we launched community groups in, like, end of September into October, and then by March, I mean, your guys' like, whole world had changed uh, with all that prognosis. Could kind of talk about, you know, your participation and uh, your belonging in our community group and kind of how um, that, talk about that, how that benefited you um, and kind of just reflect on that experience. 
Yeah. Um, I always laugh about God's timing um, because we had just joined Invitation, you know, a month or two before, I think. So, we, you know, we had just started that community group. And then, of course, COVID hits. Um, and that changes things a little bit. But I, I, I really am amazed at uh, the power of community, you know. So we, we didn't know our community group for very long, but heading into that surgery, you know, I just remember everybody took like an hour to pray for us and they were sending our, uh, our prayers and, and thoughts and notes and stuff over text and Cassandra and I just leading up to it, we're reading them and I remember how much encouragement that brought us. Um, but, you know, it really, that, what, the most benefit, if you will, came after, you know, because during that time of all those questions, um, right after the surgery, you know, we had, it was COVID, so we couldn't really gather. Uh, we couldn't gather with our family. Um, you know, I've got a big family. We couldn't really do that. We did little, you know, groups at times, but not much. Um, and having a community group that we could get on Zoom, um, you know, Satan loves to put us in isolation, especially when we're going through suffering, you know, and that was the perfect storm to have it, right? It was, um, you know, right after, right during COVID, you know, you couldn't write a better script, but we had community group. We still talked, you know, we were on Zoom, we chatted, we texted, we did things like that. Um, I love, I love that Bonhoeffer quote, you know, of just the physical presence how it strengthens a believer. I don't, I mean, we didn't have physical presence necessarily, but we had presence, you know, we were still together. Um, and it's just, it's the way God designed it. You know, he gave us the church for a reason. Um, and, and this is church. Community groups is church. You know, I think of the early church. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they went through immense suffering so, you know, so often, but they were just full of joy. They were together. Um, and, and that's, you know, I, I, I really experienced that. We, we both did, Cassandra and I, of course. You know, we, we both experienced the power of community groups, um, especially during that time. Yeah. You know, it was our first few months. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about kind of where things are now and how we can pray. You referenced it a little bit that obviously it's this, like, physical thing that you can look at several times a day to kind of see, oh, am I noticing things or whatever. Um, like maybe talk to us about like kind of your most recent scan and kind of what doctors are telling you and then how can our extended family um, pray into that uh, for you and Cassandra. Yeah, yeah. Things are good now uh, for the most part. You know, we just keep watching it. Um, you know, I always think there's always something. So like I'm, I've been for the past, you know, honestly nine months or so, I've been battling some irritation on that side of the tongue. It was on the right side of my tongue. Uh, and... You know, so there's always something that makes you think, oh, it's back, you know, we got to, I think we've had six biopsies since then, you know, and every biopsy, you're kind of like, okay, well, that's it, a tough time, you know, waiting for that stuff. So, um, but no, I mean, everything's been negative, right, report, uh, but positive uh, in the, <laughs> you know, <laughs> positive in that sense. Um, and so things are good. Keep watching, keep, uh, I, I would ask, you know, just prayers for, um Healing, continued healing on that end, that, that nothing, um, you know, no bad cells return. But um, mostly just for Cassandra and I to continue to, you know, battle anxiety and uh, to cling to hope, hmm. you know, just, 
that that that's our that's our biggest challenge. You know, it's not doesn't feel so much like the physical health is the challenge as much as battling um, you know the the things that Satan wants to put into our minds. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much for sharing your life, your story uh, with us. Can we say thank you to Matt? So I invite the worship team up. We're going to close in just a second. And um, my heart today is not for this to feel like an infomercial um, about how great our church is, community groups, all of that stuff. Um, What I want to measure around invitation is not how many people are in a room, not how many dollars are in an account, but what kinds of stories of grace we have. And so what I wanted to do today is put in front of you a story of grace. Uh, That's something that's happened within our community that I wanted everybody to hear and, and know about. And when I think about the different environments that we have at Invitation, there are just some cool stories. And so I don't know where you kind of find yourself today, where you're at. I think we have people all over the map, some people who have just been coming a, a couple of weeks and they're trying to get, what, what in the world is this place? Why do you have a church and a daycare? What in the world? I love the donut holes, but what's up with the daycare? Um, and then we have people who have been here from day one. And I think that's a, what I love probably most uh, about this place um, is the simplicity of it. Uh, this is not complicated up here. This is very simple. Um, But my hope is that the simplicity actually drives us to a depth uh, because it isn't about this external thing. It's about this internal thing. Um, That's always been my hope. And so we work hard to keep it simple. It's on purpose um, because we want to dive dive in. And so um, if you're in a place today where you're like, man, like I've been coming for a while, but I would love to like get to know some people more, uh, really community groups are the best way. Uh, for you to do that. So like I said earlier, there's a table in the back where you can sign up. We'll get you on a list and we'll get you all the information uh, that is needed. And you just don't know like what kind of story of grace you might get to encounter uh, by sitting in a circle. And so let's pray uh, together. Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you so much for the community of Jesus followers that you have uh, planted in this place. People of all different backgrounds, people of all different ages, all different stories. So we thank you. We have so much gratitude within us uh, because you have done that. And we thank you today uh, for calling us not just as individuals, but calling us uh, as a people. And for speaking this word we find in the New Testament, Haggioi, over us, holy ones, uh, sons and daughters who have been set apart uh, because of the rescue and the saving grace that has happened for us internally. And so, God, we pray that you would continue to help this church flourish for the good of your kingdom. And we do pray for Matt and for Cassandra and for their family. And we do pray healing in the name of Jesus. Uh, over his tongue. We know that you are able to do more than we can ask or think or imagine or dream up or hope for. And so we pray believing uh, that you hold the power of death and hell and you hold the power of healing. And so we speak healing over uh, his life and we ask in your mercy and your kindness and your grace 
uh, you would do that for them. And, and every person who's sitting here today who has a somebody in their mind who is up against something really difficult, a medical thing or a relational thing or a financial thing, God, we pray that they would sense your Holy Spirit wind in their life, helping them to stand, uh, even if they don't experience the removal of the pain of the suffering, but that the Holy Spirit wind would give them strength, give them endurance uh, to take another step forward. And so God, thanks for this place. Uh, thank you for the Shock family, and I uh, thank you for the opportunity that we have uh, to be your people. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing one closing song together. Thank you so much for joining us on the Invitation Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message that you just heard and receive every part of it. Every promise from God, every declaration of his great love for you, every word of hope, every reminder that you have been made for more. Allow what you've heard to take root in your soul to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. I also want to encourage you to be part of what we are doing here at Invitation as we invite people to live the way of Jesus. Go to the app and become a regular giver, an investor in the story that God is writing in this place. Also, if you found the message meaningful, we'd love to have you share it with someone else as you partner with us in carrying the message beyond the walls of the church. I want to thank you for being here with us. Grace and peace.